This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. On this episode, Joey Cassio joins me again, and this time we are going to discuss the details of how to execute short goal kicks. Building out of the back is a critical element when playing possession-style soccer, and goal kicks, of course, are a big, big part of that. It is important to understand that at the highest levels of the game, building out of the back from goal kicks is not a series of random passes or random movements. It is not players just knocking the ball around. No, it is all planned and rehearsed. In an interview with Jed Davies, Brian Clyburn was asked, what are the key things you learned while studying at FC Barcelona? And Brian's response was this, the little details, the little details that make a difference, not so much the individual stuff, but the tactical foundation that they lay in players at such a young age, end quote. So we are going to start dissecting those little details in this episode and discuss some topics that are often ignored by the media, on Twitter, and even in coaching courses here in the United States and abroad. And that way, when you have this information, you will be able to watch one of Brian's teams take a goal kick or watch Barcelona on TV or Bayern Munich in Manchester City, and you'll know that what you're seeing is not random. You'll know the goal kicks are well thought out choreographed, and you might even be able to see a number of different scenarios the teams have at their disposal. This episode is educational, not entertainment. If you haven't noticed, education is deeply important to us here at 343. A principle that we live by is that whatever we offer must actually help people. And for more than a decade, we've been offering cutting-edge solutions to American soccer's education problems. Everything has been rooted in our own experience, including developing, using, and even sharing our own coaching philosophy and proven methodology. And while our premium coaching course will continue to be our flagship program, we are excited to announce a new course designed specifically for individual player development. The Player Development Masterclass is 343 solution to the individual training problem. This course allows players and parents to take development into their own hands. Through this exclusive online course, members will have access to the authority in American soccer talent development, Brian Clyburn, and receive focused, proven individual training methods, mentorship, and education. We'll be releasing more details in the near future, but for now, you can learn more by visiting 343masterclass.com. Be sure to get yourself on the email list because the course registration will only be open for two weeks, and then we're closing the doors. The people on the mailing list will be the first to know when it's time to sign up and we'll have a better shot of getting in. So once again, you can visit 343masterclass.com to learn more and to get on the mailing list. All right. With that said, thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode of the 343 podcast. All right, so for today, let's uh, let's talk about goal kicks. Let's talk about you know how 
how Brian was able to start implementing this stuff with the with the guys at U nine, U ten, U eleven, and you know what what they were doing specifically and how that um, how that was different than than what else you know what everybody else was doing. I think it's fair to say now too that a lot <clears throat> a lot of teams do attempt to play out of the back, but it's still you know it's still not up to par. So you know there's there's still a big a big gap in in quality. We between just simply trying to do it and then, you know, executing it consistently. Yeah. It, it, it's like that article that you just, uh, shared, mm-hmm. you know, the sign of a good, a good coach is one that can implement a possession style of play and can, can use it and execute it in a way to be able to win. It's the same thing with goal kicks, you know, like I feel like now, you you see a lot of people they'll they'll play like a couple short passes for a goal kick, and then beyond that the team has no idea what they're doing, and so it, it's not a combination of both. Yeah, having it set up to where everyone on the field knows what solutions to look for, um, and then being able to execute it and use it to be able to give yourself an advantage to try to win games. One of the notes that I have written down for this is it's not just a series of random passes and, and random movements. And it's not just defenders knocking the ball around. And I always put that in quotes because that seems to be, you know, one of the things that coaches say a lot, like knock it around. Well, it's not just knocking it around. And especially when it's coming from goal kicks, like it, this stuff at the, at the highest levels at the, you know, on the biggest stages, all this stuff is very, very rehearsed and, and it's very intentional. It's not improvised or, or, or things like that. Im- improvisation is more for like the final third, the buildup and, and, and that phase of plays is very, um, very much not I- improvised. So yeah, it's not just a series of random passes and movements. It's not just knocking the ball around. It's something much, much different. Yeah, no, th- there's decision-making involved obviously, but it's not like the, the players are just like winging it as they go teams rehearse and they they go over certain scenarios that every player on the field is looking for in the game and then once they see that scenario starting to develop and take place the player on the ball the players around the ball uh make the decisions based on what what they see in in the scenario and so yeah once it starts to happen players know what to do and it it flows there's a rhythm there Joey, what what are some of the things that are rehearsed? So from from your experience watching Brian, from your experience actually coaching, from your experience watching, what are some of the things that are actually rehearsed when it comes to goal kicks? Well, I I think first you want to have a purpose behind why you're doing it. I don't know for sure what Brian's purpose is, but I'll share mine. Like I play short from a goal kick because I want to invite the opponent deep into our half. It takes courage to do that, you know, because if you make a mistake, you could get punished. But you invite the opponent into your half, um, which creates space, you know, higher up the field, maybe in midfield and in the opponent's half. So, number one, that that's the purpose. Hey, let's bring the opponent into our half. We are, we're confident. We have no problem, you know, moving the ball in, in our half like this. All good. Bring them into our half and let's try to let's try to punish higher up the field. And then, yeah, you you go over scenarios with the players. So it, it, it has a lot to do with what the opponent does. If the opponent is pressing, uh, one of the solutions that I know Brian had gone over and, and I've used as well is the inside-outside pattern. So let's say uh, the opponent is pressing the center back 
who the goalkeeper played to. So the center back has the ball. Center forward of the opponent is pressing the center back. Uh, they have a winger on the outside back closest to the center back. And they have another winger shrunk in a little bit uh, on the opposite side. And then the midfielders, they're, they're, they're tight on the six. They're giving no space to the six. So now, okay, we have to look higher up the field. This was always a solution that Brian talked about. The attacking mid higher up the field loses their man, drop in a little bit. The center back hits a cannon pass on the ground straight to the attacking mid. And then the outside back steps higher than their mark to be able to receive the ball. And then the attacking mid plays it out wide to the outside back and you're going forward. We, we always called it the inside-outside pattern. Uh, so that, that's just a scenario. So you're going through that scenario with the players uh, based on the opponent high pressing. So now the players know, okay, this, they see that situation on the field. They know that that's a solution that they can use to, to get out of that, out of that situation. There, there's many more too, you know, you, you could, you could even go higher. The center back can play uh, to the center forward. Um, another one uh, I always talk about with my teams is when the center back has the ball, I like to have, the outside back even. So if there's a winger, they have to be even or higher up the field than the winger. So that way, if the center back plays them a hard pass, they're receiving it past their mark and they can turn and go up the field. A lot of the time you see, uh, you see the outside back playing in front of the winger. So now the winger can see the ball and the outside back, the player that they're marking. So it's not, it's not a big deal for the winger to be able to, to defend in that situation. But if you're higher up and you're out of the sight of the of the winger, the opponent's winger, now he's trying to keep track of you and the ball at the same time, it becomes more difficult. So that's another solution, you know, just the outside back positioning. There's that's just a couple. There's so many things that, you know, you can set your team up to be aware of in games. Let's maybe talk about one other one. So what you what you just talked about was if the opponents are going to try to press and press higher up the field and, and try to actually maybe even take the ball from you from this goal kick moment. But what if the other team decides not to press you? What are some options in, in, in that scenario? Yeah, I think you you play the center back and if the center back has space in front of them, you just you have them advance the ball in the dribble, uh, trying to invite the opponent to, to step and, and come to you. Because once... Once the opponent starts to step to defend, now now things start to open up in front of the the player on the ball. So you just keep advancing the ball forward. Eventually, you know they're going to have to step to defend, um, and then things start to open up. I think one of the biggest concepts during building out of the back, or really any moment in possession, is the ability to lose your man. Uh, when teams sit back deeper. There's not a lot of space. Uh, they're usually compact, and the spaces in between the defenders can can be tight. So it's it's harder to build through their lines of defense. So you got to be able to lose your man very well. And another another thing, you know, a lot of at least here in Southern California on the fields, uh, people talk about oh, if you're building out of the back, then you don't play any long passes. That's not true. If the solution is to play a longer pass, then that's what you have to do. So if the opponent is sitting deeper and there's there's really we're not going to advance the ball with short passes into the midfielders uh now we need to look higher up so that could be another solution that you can 
set your team up for. If the opponent's going to sit deep, maybe we play one or two passes into our midfielders. They play it right back to the center back so that the opponent is now looking at shorter passes. And then we have our winger or our, our center forward losing their man towards the ball, and then they take off for a, a ball in behind the back line. That, that could be another solution if the opponent is sitting deeper. That reminds me of something that we talked about on another episode, and I think it was when we covered FC Barcelona versus Real Madrid. And Barcelona had advanced the ball all the way into the attacking half. Real Madrid did you know, what they probably, what most teams aim to do, which is get very you know, compact, very tight, and not allowing Barcelona to kind of penetrate the middle of the field. So what Barcelona did is they, they actually retreated into their own half and I'm trying to connect a dot to what you said earlier about the purpose of playing, you know, short on a goal kicker or, or doing something like this, but it, it's to create spaces in other areas of the field. So what Barcelona did is they retreated all the way back into their defensive third. The ball ends up at Ter Stegen's feet. And then Real Madrid, very concerned about all of the short passes that, you know, could be played out of the back by Ter Stegen. And the pass that was ultimately played was something to Suarez. So Ter Stegen went all the way from his penalty area to Luis Suarez, who did what you just described as well, lost his marker by faking a movement one way and then coming back to get the ball at his feet. So a little bit different than the scenario that you just described, but same in principle. It's that, that that longer pass was created or that longer pass was played because the space was created by them inviting Real Madrid to come closer towards their own goal, which I think is very interesting. And I believe, yeah, is, is the, their purpose in that in that moment to, you know, bring the ball all the way back to, to their penalty area. No, yeah, it was Barcelona. You can tell they they have a few different scenarios that they they look to execute based on what the opponent is doing. They're, they're usually very good at it. <laughs> yeah. And, and real quick, I want to talk about the new way or the new style of goal kicks and, and maybe how you've implemented them with your teams currently and how, yeah, teams like at the highest level, like we just, we just got a chance to watch Barcelona versus Espanol, um, uh, uh, Catalan Derby, uh, very, very, very high level game. So we got a chance to see how those two teams deployed their goal kicks and and whatnot but with this new or more recent goal kick change of you know your teammates being able to play inside the penalty area and 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 things like that how how have things changed for you or what have you noticed from other teams maybe watching barcelona how have things changed for them in regards to this new or recent change in the laws of the game I, I don't think it's changed too much i i think it's actually harder now for the opponents to defend uh, you know, because before you'd, you'd have the center backs wide outside of the 18-yard box, and now they can step anywhere inside the 18-yard box to receive the ball. So I think uh, it possibly provides better angles for the player when receiving inside the box and makes it harder for the opponent to defend if, if they're stepping high to press. But uh, for me, implementing it, it, it's not too different. You know, the, the six is at the top of the box in that area looking to get on the ball if he can. The center backs, they just come inside the 18. Usually that's where we start is with them. Uh, if if we want to maybe give the opponent a different look, you know, after playing short a couple of times, we can, we can play a driven ball out to an outside back or 
attacking mid. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's changed too much in terms of building out of the back. Where do you position your center backs now? Now that they don't have to be outside of the 18, where do you typically set up your center backs? Uh, probably just wide of the six yard box is where they will start. Uh, and then the goalkeeper will play him the ball and we'll go from there. How deep do they, do they start? Like, do they start, uh, you know, parallel with the six yard line or are they starting deeper or closer towards the end line? Is there a, a positive or negative, you know, to where they, to where they actually start right there? No, I, I don't think it makes too much difference, but yeah, they're usually parallel to the top of the, the six yard box or, or deeper. Of course, I always tell them like, Hey, go as deep as you need to go. Um, to make sure you're comfortable with the the time that you have on the ball. But yeah, uh, any higher, I think uh, if the, if the opponent is pressing, then obviously the amount of time and the amount of time and space that they have from the player pressing is, is shorter. So they'll usually start parallel with the six. And I want to ask one more question about what you do. And then I'm, I, I want to maybe talk about some specific examples from, from a recent game we watched with Barcelona, but how, how quickly are, are you looking, are you asking your, your, your teams to play these goal kicks? How, how quickly are, are you asking your teams to get set up in these, in these new positions or these attacking positions, um, in, in order to execute the goal kicks the way that you want them? Immediately, immediately. So, the the message to the players is always, hey, let's go as quick as possible and not let the opponent get set up, uh, so that we can try to try to punish. You know, if they're not set up, we have a higher higher chance of being able to punish them and starting an attack. If we take our time, we go get the ball, the opponent gets set up, they're reading our body, now it's easier for them. So and you see that with Barcelona. Ter Stegen's very good at that. Uh, I think we've we've talked about it before, like you could tell he has a relationship with the ball boy that's usually just behind the goal. The ball boy fires him a ball right away. He he like he kind of throws it. Ter Stegen throws it, and the ball is kind of back spinning. So he doesn't even like set it in place. He just tosses it. It's back spinning, so it just stops towards the the edge of the six yard box, and then he's going right away. And he'll he'll always look up the field first to see if he can hurt him further down the field, and if not, then he'll look for a shorter pass. So that's also a message that I'll share with the players. Like, Hey, if the opponent is sleeping and we can, we can play one of our, our wingers or our center forward, lay it off to our attacking mid and go forward. Let, let's do that. That's the priority. Uh, if that's not on, then obviously we can, we can play shorter. So here's something that I, I observed as I was watching a game recently and it's actually quite difficult sometimes to see how a team like Barcelona plays their goal kicks because they play them so fast and the the television, the, the cameras yeah. <laughs> uh, are, are showing replays or they're looking at the stands or, or things like that. So you don't really get a, a good idea a lot of times of how Barcelona currently is, is playing their goal kicks because they play them so they play them so quickly. Um, but when you when you do get a glimpse of them, uh, you, you get a chance to see where their outside backs are positioned, where their center backs are positioned, where their holding mid is positioned and the options. So you can kind of see Ter Stegen go through, you know, his um, his option list, like one, two, three, and, and then make a decision, which usually happens very, very quickly. It's very rare that it takes any more than than five, six, seven seconds. So 
Um, but yeah, you kind of, you kind of laughed in, uh, when I, when I brought that up though, about the, the camera. So is, is that something you notice as well? Yeah. Just the, the game over the weekend against Espanol trying to watch the goal kicks every single time the, the ball went out of bounds, the, the BN sport broadcast or whatever the world feed, whatever it was, they would cut away to a replay and then, yeah, you'd miss maybe the first pass and you'd miss Ter Stegen, you know, what, what he's looking for, where his eyes are, you know, you miss all that. You know, the idea was to cut some of those examples and provide them for people to see, but because a lot of the examples are unusable because it's just shots of the, of the stands. Um, I think what yeah. I, <laughs> I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and I'm going to, I'm going to cut some video examples from our video library of, of, of three, four threes teams and provide those in the write-up of this podcast so people can see what we're actually talking about. They can see, you know, how the center backs get to their spots immediately, how the outside backs uh, position themselves, how the six uh, positions himself, how the, how the holding mid enters the penalty area after the kick has been taken, I think is, is a detail that a lot of people uh, don't necessarily pick up on. Um, it's something that I, 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 I certainly didn't notice I didn't know how to coach it until I started to watch Brian coach it about, you know, just the body positioning of the holding mid as he's entering the penalty area after the ball's been played to a center back. It's very important. It sets up the next movement. It sets up the next pass. It's, it sets up a lot of things. And, and it's a detail that, you know, you would probably miss if you're watching a game on TV. And it's probably a detail that you would miss unless you have been prompted to look at it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll provide some video examples of that in the write-up for this episode no just going through the process of of trial and error with the goal kicks it's it's important for a coach obviously but it's also very important for the player as well you know we a lot of people focus on technique but the recognizing the tactical situations is a big part of player development and if you're not training it then the players aren't learning you know to recognize it and be able to make the correct decision gary always talks about it a good way of uh, evaluating a player is the decision making, you know, the decisions that they make when they have the ball and also without the ball. If you're not training these scenarios uh, within your team identity, then the players don't know what the best decisions are, what they look like, how to recognize, you know, the play developing. They don't know how to do any of this. So it's a big, big part of player development. Joey, I want to end on, on maybe one last topic or one last question so the idea of playing the ball short and and the purpose that you stated earlier to create space in other areas of the field obviously i i think that makes sense i think a lot of people are familiar with the image of barcelona or, or many other teams now playing short out of the back but what we also saw in this game that we keep referencing, the Barcelona versus Espanol game, which is you know is a very very critical game for Barcelona. Going into that game, they are going into the weekend. They were in first. Then Real Madrid won their game. They they took over first place, and so Barcelona had to get a result in this game in order to stay top of the table, which is very very important. But on top of that, that it, it's a it's a derby game. It, they're playing their crosstown rivals. Uh, there's so many other talking points that could be said just for that one game, right? But Barcelona decided to play short for almost the entire game, and then in the 75th minute, Frankie De Jong gets a red card. And at the very next goal kick, Barcelona decided to play the ball long from, from their goal kick for the first time in the game. And another interesting note 
to, to kind of throw in there is that Espanol did not play a short goal kick the entire game. And, and so I guess that the question would be to you or, or, or the thought would be to you, when is it the right time to play short? When is it the right time to play long? What dictates that? What are, what are some, you know, pieces of information that we can arm people with or, or, you know, coaches should be aware of or parents should be aware of or players should be aware of when it comes to this moment of deciding when to play short, when not to play short. In the case of Espanol, it's hard to know why they did that. You know, obviously behind closed doors, I'm sure that there's a purpose as to why they did that. For Barcelona, yeah, it was interesting. They they played short to the center backs every single goal kick. And in that situation, after the Frankie the Young red card, uh, they're down a man. And they were also preparing Nelson Semedo to come on the field at right back, which I'm assuming uh, would have maybe push Sergio Roberto into midfield and they would have taken maybe one of the forwards off, probably Griezmann, maybe Suarez, but they hadn't made that substitution yet. Um, so yeah, there, there's a bunch of different variables that that could have uh, influenced their decision to, to play long. And you can see all the players uh, like PK and some of the others motioning to Neto in goal, like, hey, let's go long, let's get up the field. Maybe they didn't like the the situation, the personnel that they had going down a man. And so they decided to go long. They wanted to make sure they got the three points. So it's tough to know for sure, but I'm just sort of throwing these things out there, assuming that that has something to do with it. Um, and of course, you know, for Barcelona, the priority of, is to win. You know, they're, they're not youth players out there trying to develop, you know, 15, 16 year old players these players are who they are. They're trying to win games and a lot's on the line for a youth coach. Obviously there's, there's that balance. Okay. Trying to win the game, trying to challenge the players, uh, developing them to, you know, recognize things tactically, but also be able to technically execute under pressure. So there's so many things that a coach has to look at when, when making that sort of decision. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's the coach's preference, but, there are times I'll use examples from myself. I, I don't go long on goal kicks a lot, maybe late in a game. It's a tight game. We're up by a goal. Uh, maybe then I'll, I'll ask the, the players to go a little bit longer to make sure that we secure the victory, but that's usually rare. Um, I'd say 95% of the time in that situation, when it's close late in the game, I'm still demanding that the players play short from the back. And it brings up a, you know, a whole other arena of, of topics because, you know, the, the advantages of playing it short, you keep possession of the ball, obviously, but a disadvantage would be that you're, you're closer to your goal. And so that if you have a turnover in that moment, for example, the Barcelona was winning two to one in 75th minute, Frankie de Jong red card, 77th minute, they have that goal kick. And, you know, at, in that moment, they, they didn't want to be anywhere. They didn't want Espanol to be anywhere near their goal. Right. So, you know, get the ball as far away from, from their goal as possible. Um, you know, in the dying minutes of the game, I've, I've heard Brian use things like use phrases like, um, you kick it to the moon, uh, kick it out of the stadium, you know, and, and I've, I've said things like that too, you know, to just secure the win. And, 
that might seem ugly to some people. It might, it might not seem like good soccer to some people, but if winning is the objective, then you do whatever you need to do to, to secure the win. And it should be noted that, you know, in the, in the game that we've referenced a few times now, Barcelona versus Espanol, Barcelona ended up conceding a goal in, in the late, the late stages of the game, dying minutes of the game. So that it ended two to two, they weren't able to, to fend off the, the attacks of Espanol and, and, you know, that it, it didn't work for them in that moment which is unfortunate, but uh, it is a tactic uh, that, that people need to understand and probably something that we can cover again in, a, in another episode, like, you know, recognizing the cues of when to play short, recognizing the cues of, you know, when you just need to get the ball into the other, in, into the opponent's half. So I think maybe we can bring that up on a, on a future episode. Yeah, man. Winning, winning is important. I'll go back to that article that you shared, man. The, the two things that you see uh, in in a coach's work that indicates that they're doing they're achieving excellence is implementing a possession based identity and also winning, doing both rare. Yep. All right, Joey Cassio. Anything else uh, in regards to goal kicks that we need to throw into this episode? I think uh, I think that's it, man. I think we talked about a lot. As always, people can join the conversation. They can head to the website, 343coaching.com. They can go to the write-up of this podcast, and there's a comment section there at the very bottom. Remember, I am going to throw in some video evidence of this being done in American soccer so people can not only just see it, but they can study it, they can dissect it, they can they can evaluate it and learn from it. So that will be available in the write-up as well. If they want, or if you want, you can always hit us up on, on Twitter, Twitter. Uh, you can reach Joey at Casio underscore FG, and you can reach me at that Croatian guy. We'd be more than happy to engage with you on Twitter about this topic. And yep, I think that's it for today. Joey, thank you for your time. Thank everybody for thank you everybody for listening. And we will catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. If you are interested in accelerating your development as a coach and learning more about possession-based soccer, you can visit 343coaching.com and sign up for our premium coaching membership program. That is where you will get access to video, audio, and ebook lessons that will help you reduce your trial and error time by showing you the methods that have been proven to work in the American soccer environment are an ambitious coach and you want to start learning the tried and true methods that have already been proven to work in the American soccer environment, you can visit 343coaching.com to learn more about our coaching programs. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast and we will catch you next time.